Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we ask you to have your way. God, we're consumed in a world at war, and yet we so miss it. God, you tell us that your children perish for lack of wisdom or knowledge. We ask you to open up our eyes to the war that rages. We ask you to open up our eyes to the victory and how to win this war. We ask you to open up our eyes. We ask you to place your hand upon us. God, we ask you to give us fresh revelation. We ask you to expose us to the word of God in new ways this weekend. And Lord, we ask you to help us in every way to be overcomers in every step. We ask you to move in the power of Jesus' name, we pray. And all God's people said, see, we are at war. We're at war. We are at war in the spiritual realms. The scripture says that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in heavenly places. And if you doubt that, all you had to do is watch the news last weekend and watch what went on in Charlottesville. If you watch it from a purely natural perspective, you will say that it's race riots, it's hatred, it's this group, it's that group, it's this president, it's that president. No, no, let me tell you what was on full display last week was the works of hell. That's what we saw. And yet what hell wants to do, it wants to be in the shadows and it wants us to fall prey to its schemes and not realize what's happening. See, in this series that we're beginning this weekend called End Games, we understand the end game of the enemy to defeat us, to defeat us, and to destroy us. Does that make sense? That's what he wants to do. That's what Jesus said in John 10, 10, which is our theme verse for this series. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And what the devil loves is that so many people today, us educated, sophisticated people, we don't believe in a literal devil. We really don't believe in a literal hell. Come on. And the enemy loves that because he moves unhindered, dividing families, dividing churches, dividing your small group, dividing your friends, dividing our nation, dividing between black and white, dividing between rich and poor, dividing between educated and uneducated, dividing between the north and the south, divide, 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 because Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself can't even stand. Are y'all with me? Does this make sense? Are you okay? So welcome, Promisers, all of our campuses. You picked a thrilling weekend to come to church as we launched this brand new series. Man, we love you guys. God behind bars, we're thrilled at what God's doing at Bledsoe and, and over at Morgan County. Man, we love you guys so much. <laughs> Woo! Last weekend, Farragut launched 800 people. People got saved. The Spirit of God moved. It was an incredible launch of that campus. Incredible, we finished last weekend at the movies. By the way, we had a thousand more people virtually every week at, at the movies than we had the same weekends last year. What a success. You guys did an amazing job inviting people. And man, we are so grateful. But it's not over, is it? We've just begun, is that right? So now we begin a new series called Endgame. And the thesis of this series is spiritual warfare. And so we're sort of setting in the motif, motif of a chess game or a chess match. And when two people come together across a chessboard, there's only two sides. When they sit on either side of that chessboard, both of them want to do what? 
win. And so there's strategies that are developed. There are moves that are deployed. There are trying to plan what your, what your opponent's going to do and how you're going to move him or her in a check and then ultimately in a checkmate. And, it's, and so, it's, but see, chess is a game. In the spiritual warfare that's raging, how many people want to win? Does anybody want to win? Come on, all of our campuses, come on, give a shout out if you want to win. See, the deal is God's end game is victory for your life. This is the expressed, revealed, written word of God. I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest or have it abundantly. God can not just in heaven, but here. God wants you to experience full life. So let me tell you what you need. Do we want to win? Then you need what we're going to call the seventh hand. And I'm going to explain that to you in just a minute. The seventh hand, this is not original thought with me. I wish it was, but it's not. As I began to learn this, I said, got to take this back. I got to talk, got to unveil this. And I, and I said, yeah, the Spirit of God led me. When we get to the in-game series, Spiritual Warfare, this is the deal. Because understand, every day I pray for victory for you in the name of Jesus. See, chess is great, but it doesn't really matter if you win or lose a chess match because it's only a game. The end game of spiritual warfare is eternity. And the devil and the Lord are both playing for keeps. Would you all agree with that? So let me lay for you a theological foundation. The Apostle Paul said everything in the Older Testament, was are, they are types and shadows of things that are going to be in the Newer Testament. So we learn by looking at things in the Old Testament. I love studying the Old Testament. So we'll go back to the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel 43, he is writing to the Israelites that are slaves in Babylon. They are about to be released in the next chapter because there's a new king, a new king of Persia, Cyrus comes, and Cyrus gives a release after 70 years for the Israelites to go back to Israel and rebuild the temple. This is the law of the house. It's entire area on top of the mountain. He's, he's talking about the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, all round shall be most holy. Behold, this is the law of the house. Twice the scripture says, and he's talking about building the house. This is the law of building the kingdom. This is the law of building my house. This is how you're built up in the spiritual realm. And he goes on, and these are the measurements of the altar and all of building the house are by cubits. The cubit being a cubit and a hand breadth. Now, in the Old Testament, they didn't have tape measures. They didn't have lasers where you could shoot it and get the measurement. They didn't have all those kind of tools. So they measured everything by a cubit. The, the, the word is used hundreds of times in the Old Testament. This is a cubit. That's a hand breadth right there. If you're it's sort of an old timer sort of country, you remember when we measured horses by hands? That horse is 17 hands tall. Well, that's, a, that's sort of a you know, a follow over of this is a hand breadth. And, and the hand breadth, if you start at the tip of your finger and you measure one, two, three, four, five, the sixth one will fall right in the crease of your elbow. That is a cubit. So when they built, they measured by cubits. That's how they laid everything else. Does, it, does this make sense? The cubit is called the mother of the arm. That's, that, that's what they called it. It gives birth. It creates. It, it, it is it's the genius of man. It's how we made tools and instruments and weapons. And, and man is, is ingenious because 
because man is made in the image of God. So he is gifted. He can do lots of things. Right down the street is Oak Ridge National Laboratory where some of the smartest people on the planet work. We have the largest supercomputer on the planet that's almost walking distance of the Pellissippi campus. See, that's six hands. That's a cubit. That's, that's what we can do. And see, the problem is because mankind has been gifted by God, sometimes our giftedness makes us think that we don't need God. Does that make sense? Because we've got all this genius, we built all this stuff, we built these cities and we built medicines and we've done all this stuff, we really don't need God. And yet we're still raping, robbing, robbing and pillaging each other like we did at the beginning of time, aren't we? We still hate by color, we're still, all this stuff is going on. And so Jesus says in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he that abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Do what? Now, I read that verse 35 years ago, 33 years ago. So I can, I can cut a line on without God. I can eat lunch without God. I, I, there are a lot of things I can do without God. And so what Jesus is saying is, yeah, you can do something out of your own creativity, but you can't do anything that matters for eternity without me. Can't heal a person, you can't save a soul, you can't transform a life. So everything that matters, everything that, 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 that matters, you can only do in and through me. So you got to abide in me. See, without his help, we are what? Helpless, spiritually. Again, there's a war. The Bible is so clear that there's a war that's raging. It is pounding out there. And if you act like it's not there or you are not aware, you're just going to be prey. Your kids will be prey, your marriage will be prey, your finances will be prey because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his end game. Does that make sense? So you and I, when we realize that we can do nothing of eternal consequences or value without God. See, again, that's the, this is the cubit. This is the number six. This is what man can do. But let me tell you, that's just what man can do. If you want to do something significant, you have to have the seventh hand. Because what did it say the law of building the house of God was? A cubit and one more hand. So you got six that are natural, and then you've got one more, the seventh hand if you're going to build the kingdom of God. And in the next chapter, they are released by Cyrus, and they go back and they build the temple, and they have to do it differently. They came out of captivity. When we were born again, we all came out of captivity. And if you're going to be a part of building, if you're going to be a part of winning, if you're going to be an overcomer, then you're going to need the man. You're going to need the seventh hand. Does that make sense? You got, and look, can I tell you something? Listen, don't you, if you're listening, I am. You will never the rest of your life forget this sermon. Never. When you come in conflict, when things happen, you are going to hear whispered in your ear, you need the seventh hand. And you are going to realize, oh my goodness, that's God's, that's God's presence. That's God's anointing. I need the seventh hand. Remember twice in verse 12 of 43 of, of Ezekiel about building the house. And then in verse 13, he said, these are the measurements, the altar by cubits, the cubit being a cubit and one more hand, the seventh hand. So you got to have the seventh hand. It's the law of my house. It's the law of my kingdom. You can build great things, but you can't build anything eternal apart from the seventh hand. What God is saying is, is you, you do the sixth, 
I'll put the seventh hand in. If you'll serve me, I'll put the seventh hand on your marriage. I'll put the seventh hand on your finances. I'll put the seventh hand on your, on your health. I'll put the seventh hand on your kids. You've got some kids that are, that are prodigals. It'll take the seventh hand to bring them back. You've got some division. If your marriage is messed up, you need the seventh hand to bring it back. Are y'all with me? We got to have the seventh hand if we want the power of God. See, we can build a career. But can we build a career and maintain a family? How many people have lost their family on the altar of building a career? See, you can do a lot of things with six, but without the seventh hand? See, the seventh hand moves in ways that we cannot. And when the enemy unleashes hell against you, when you see there's a division in your home or you see something with your kids or in your group or whatever, and you realize that the war is raging, you need the seventh hand hand to walk in victory. Without the seventh hand, there's no victory. That's why Zechariah the prophet said, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You can do some, listen, you can build some great things that are in the natural, but you don't have enough bridge to build my kingdom to save a soul, to heal somebody. See, it's not the measure of talent, but it's a matter of God's power. And the seventh hand is the anointing and the power of God resting. Does this make sense? Remember the giant that came against David's boys? Nine foot, six inches tall, six fingers and six toes on each hand. It took the seventh hand to take him out. And when the giants come against you in your life, it'll take the seventh hand resting on your hand to take the giant out. Remember Elijah, he says it's not going to rain for three years, and it doesn't. He shows up, and he challenges the prophets of Baal to go to Mount Carmel. We showed him, we, one of our messages in the Holy Land series was from there. And he prays the fire down, you know the story, and kills the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the Ashram. And then he said, okay, it's going to rain. So he goes to the edge of, of, of Carmel. It's a, it's a whole stream, but he, it, he goes to the edge, and he gets on his knee, and he looks out toward the Mediterranean, and he prays, oh, God, let it rain. And he sends his servant, go see. Do you see anything? Nothing. Prays twice, nothing. Three times, nothing. Four times, nothing. Five times, nothing. Six times, nothing. And he bows his knee for the what? And he says, oh, God, let it rain. And the servant comes back. He says, I see a cloud as small as a man's hand. And he looks at Ahab and said, dude, you better get out of here because it's going to rain up here in the house. I mean, you're not even going to be able to ride your chariot for the mud. It's going to be horrible. And what happens? So Ahab, I mean, uh, Elijah senses up his robe and outruns Ahab back to Samaria. Outruns him. Why? Because Elijah had the seventh hand on him. You can do supernatural things when the seventh hand is resting on you. Does this make sense? Which you've got to have the seventh hand if you're going to win. So there are supernatural times in our life where we say, God did this. God saved or God answered a prayer and it's great and it's wonderful. But that's not, what, that's not how we live day to, every day, is it? So my question is this. Are you, what are you going to do in the in-between times? In between those spiritual mountaintops, in between those revivals, those that supernatural moves, God, what are you going to do? Because see, Samson did great when the Spirit of God was on him. He was fighting the Philistines, wasn't he? Didn't he? Man, he kicked butt and took names. But in between the battles, 
that's when he hooked up with the harlots. And that's when he went to Delilah's hair shop and got his hair cut off and lost his strength and he became a slave of the enemy. Why? Because he couldn't handle the in-between times. In my office are several, here at the Pellissippi campus are several chess boards. They've been there for years. I keep them there to remind me of strategy. Do you play chess? No. Y'all remember the, when we did the March Madness? I had a basketball. I didn't play that game either. <laughs> I can't do much. I keep those chess boards in there to remind me of the strategy. Now, if you've ever played chess, the worst part of a game of chess is in the middle. Because in the middle, there are pieces everywhere, all over the board. And both, both, both sides have, have, have got strategies. And they're trying to plan moves ahead. And they got all this going on. And people are, and, and it it's, gets confusing. You know, because all this stuff is going on. You don't know what's happening. Does this make sense? This is where you and I live every day. In the middle of the chess match. And if you're not careful, you will lose. Because see, what we need is we need the seventh hand to say, okay, God, what's the next move? Show me, give me wisdom to make the right move. I need that cloud like the man's hand to flow in. I need that seventh hand to rest on me. Does that make sense? Because see, when the seventh hand comes in, then the rain comes. Then the provision comes. Then the miracles come. Then the healing comes. Then the prodigals come home. Then the marriage is restored when God brings the seventh hand. See, for two years, we've looked for a campus in Lenore City and couldn't find one. And then what happens? God opens up the door at Farragut High School. Knox County School Board, yep. All the folks at Farragut, yep. We didn't think there was any way, and boom, there we are. Rocking this morning at Farragut High School, our ninth campus. Why? Because the seventh hand was resting on this congregation. It's incredible. It's incredible. See, if you, those of you who remember the book of Revelation, what's the, what's the Antichrist number? 666. Six, six. See, six is man's number. Seventh is the perfect number. Seventh is the number of completion. Seven days and there's a Sabbath. Seven years, the last year is the Sabbath rest. It is, see, six, you, you can't get to God with six hands. You've got to have the seventh hand. But it brings the victory. It brings the momentum. It brings the healing. It shows us how to win with the spiritual war that's raging all around us. Does this make sense? Are y'all, I can start over. Have y'all, because it's not a service after this. I can go on. Trust me, it's not a problem for me. There's no victory without the seventh hand. There's no way. Now, we know what the end game is, right? Death, destruction, division, or abundant life. Now, now, understand that I'm not saying that the six hands are evil. They're not. They're human. And, and you've got to have the six hands because you don't get the seven without the six. Remember, can I tell you, there are 2,000 people this weekend using the six hands. Matter of fact, they were there before daylight at Farragut High School this morning, backing up trailers and unloading equipment. They were at all of our campuses setting up for preschool and setting up for kids' ministry. They were setting up for the T-shirt giveaway. They were setting up for small group sign-up. They were rehearsing singers and tag people. They were ushers and greeters trying to figure out. There were people at every 2,000 people this weekend that used the six hand. 
And then what happened? Then God has brought the seventh on those six hands and God's spirit is moving this weekend and people are being saved. People are being set free. Why? Because we brought the six and said, let the seven rain on us, oh God Almighty. Let the seven rain on my house. Let it rain on my marriage. Let it rain on my finances. Are y'all with me? I don't know about y'all, but I want me some seventh hand. Is anybody with me? Come on, somebody. We have Celebrate on Monday night. It's, a, it's for people struggling with, you know, habits and hangups and those kind of things. And there are a lot of good things you can do that are six. You can do the 12-step. You do a lot of good things that are, that are the six. But if you want real deliverance, you've got to have the seventh hand. See, the seventh hand drives out addiction. The seventh hand set the captives free. The seventh hand unlocks. Is there, is there, are y'all with me? Do we need the seventh hand? See, this is the deal. He wants to, I believe God wants to put the seventh hand on all of our homes and hearts. Now, let's roll up New Testament a little bit. Remember, they arrest Peter, and he's in prison, and he's going to have his head cut off in the morning. So what are all his friends doing back at, back at the house? They're in an all-night prayer vigil. Oh, God, set Peter free. Oh, God, they're going to cut his head off. God, move. So what happens? God answers their prayer. An angel shows up in the cell with Peter. Now, Peter is doing what? He's asleep. Now, listen to me, you folks that can't sleep because you're stressed out. (laughs) Nobody's going to have your head cut off in the morning. Are you with me? And and Peter is is sawing logs asleep. Angel jabs him, wake up, dude. Peter wakes up. He doesn't know what's going on. Is this a vision? Angel says, put on your shoes. Peter puts on, put on your cloak, put on your cloak. Boom, the chains come off. Boom, the door opens up. Guards never even wake up. They walk out, boom, the next door opens up on its own. They get to the street and the angel vanishes and Peter realizes, I've been set free. So let me tell you what God did right there. God said, Peter, use six hands. Put on your shoes, get your coat. Get up, get ready. The seventh hand will break the locks. The seventh hand will open the doors. The seventh hand will walk you out. The seventh hand will set you free. Then we got all the faith promisers in the prayer meeting. Oh God, set Peter free. Peter gets to the house where he knows they're praying, knocks on the door, nobody answers. They're in there praying, oh God, they're gonna kill him. Let him free. Finally, Rhoda, the servant girl, goes to the door. Who is it? Peter. Can't be Peter. He's in jail. So she goes back to the prayer meeting. He keeps beating on the door. Finally, she goes back. Who is it? I'm telling you, it's me, Simon Peter. She didn't even lock the door. She goes back in, praying, oh God, set him free. Peter's out there. He's not out there. He's in prison. Oh God, set him free. Let me in. Set him free. Let me in. Set him free. Let me in. Listen, if you're going to pray it doesn't rain, then don't carry a stinking umbrella. (laughs) Believe God, it's going to move. Does this make sense? Come on. The seventh hand. God is at work. That's what God wants to do. That's how God moves. You build the kingdom of God with the seventh hand. So you see your hand is part of the six. It's part of the cubit. But God wants to add his seventh hand on top of your hand and make us the body of Christ. That's why he said it's not by your power, it's not by your might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. It's about God's power and God's ability. Does this make sense? Now, 
We know there's a spiritual war that's raging, and we don't rattle. We, the Bible says we don't battle against Democrats and Republicans. We don't battle against President Obama or President Trump. We don't battle with Fox or with CNN. As a matter of fact, if you just quit watching the news, you'd be better off. You know what I'm talking about? You say, but if I don't listen to the news, how will I keep up? You're not keeping up by listening to the news. If you listen to Fox, you get it from the right. If you listen to CNN, you get it from the left. So whichever one you watch is pretty much the way you lean. You didn't like that part, did you? You look very deeply in there, see if see anybody that cares. So, I'm sorry, that wasn't even in the, okay, here we go. Now, there's a war that's raging, and we need the wisdom of God. Do we want to win? Then we need the power of God. We need the seventh hand. But listen, you don't get the seventh hand on your six hands if you're not in relationship with God. So my question this, my question this weekend is, are you born again? You say, well, Chris, I'm not sure. I'm sort of saved. That's like a woman saying, I'm sort of pregnant. You got a woman got that belly out there about nine months, say, you pregnant? You may sort of, no, I'm pregnant, and I will scratch your eyes out and spit in the holes. So, so my, come on, let's get, let's get real, raw and real. Are you born again? If today was your last day. Are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? See, we're all born on the side. There's only two sides of the chessboard. There's the devil's side and there's God's side. Nobody's born on God's side. Nobody. We've all come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and missed the mark. So we're all over here on the enemy's side. I don't know about you. I want on God's side. Is anybody with me? That's why Jesus died for us. That's why Jesus came to pay for our sins. So that we could be born again and be in a relationship with him. And he could say, take your six, I'm going to have the seventh, and you are going to have an exceedingly abundant life above and beyond what you could ask or think or imagine in Ephesians 3.20. You're already an overcomer. Jesus said, I've overcome the world, and you already are a victor. See, we need to be in relationship so we can feel the presence of the seventh hand. Does that make sense? And so there's some people, you're religious, you've been to church, you might be, have a Bible, you know some answers, but you've never been born again. You're not in a relationship with God. If you're ready, he's ready. Bold, I stand the door knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and sup with them and they with me. So if you're ready, God's ready. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, at every campus, if you're ready, we want you to just pray this simple confessional prayer. We're going to pray it out loud with you. Just pray this, dear Jesus. I know I've sinned. I am so sorry. Forgive me. Commit in my heart. I confess you as my Lord, my King, my boss. I choose your side. Put your seventh hand on me. I will serve you. I will win the war. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, give him some praise for the people. Now, before I turn it over to the campus pastors, I want to I discuss one thing. If you just prayed with me and gave your heart to Jesus, 
Take the card that's in front of you, check the box. I just prayed with the pastor, put in the offering boxes. We are going to contact you. You're going to follow the Lord in believer's baptism, and you're going to begin to grow as a believer. We're done with wondering. We're done with mealy mouth. We're done with hanging around the edge. We are going to get in, on and in God's team. Amen? This is your time. Don't miss this. This is why God brought you this weekend. So take right now, if you would, and fi begin filling that card out. And in two weeks, when we begin receiving an offering again, that's where we'll start putting all the communication cards. Here's the deal. Everybody said you wanted to win. Do you want to win? Yes. You want to win? Every campus. Now, here's the deal. Let me tell you how you cannot win. It is impossible for you to win. There's no way to win alone. If you're alone, you are easy pickings for the enemy. The lion roams about seeking whom he may devour. He will devour those that are alone. How do we accomplish togetherness? We do it in small groups. We have about 300 adult groups. We're moving to 1,000 adult groups. And so we gather every week to pray together, to, to walk together, to learn the scriptures together, to hold each other accountable. One of the reasons that I've lasted in the ministry for 35 years and haven't fallen by the wayside is not because I'm better, more spiritual than others. I'm surrounded by people that simply will not let me step in stupid. Are you with me? As soon as I move towards stupid, they grab me and say, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 you don't want to do that. I love you too much. I will wrestle you to the ground. It's not happening. Does that, does that make sense? And that, it happens in small groups. When, you're, when things happen, when the train comes off the track and we all experience tribulation, you need groups. I had a guy stop me after the last service and said, hey, I'm so blown away. Man, my small group is amazing. We're moving in a new house in a week and my small group is coming over today and they're praying over every single room and we're dedicating my new house to the Lord. He said, I love my small group. There's so many things that we get to do in groups. So in just a second, we're going to let all of, everybody's going to be released back to the campuses and the campus pastors will tell you what to do. But I want to challenge you, do not leave until you sign up for a small group because you want to finish this spiritual warfare series in group. We are beginning a new semester with a fall alignment called Storytellers. You will miss 70% of it if you're not involved in a small group. Amen? Amen? So campuses, pastors, we love you guys. Take over. Amen?